This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Here you go. Here you go. Fire drill. Nothing personal. Word of the day, the last day of November. One more month of this dumpster fire of a year. So all we have left is December. November 30th, word of the day is fire drill. Fire drill, you know when you're in school and they do fire drills and the bell goes off and you have to partner up with a buddy and they do a count and you walk out of the building and then your teachers say to you, all right, this is what we would do in case of a fire. I always enjoyed the fire drills because I always pictured what would it actually be like if there were a fire? It's sort of like when you're on an airplane and you land in the water like Sully, and you practice what you would do. You look for the exit lights. You crawl if you can't see them. You take off your shoes. You leave your carry-ons, and you nicely slide down the slide into the water. Fire is burning in your school. Yeah, just we're going to orderly. Everybody orderly step out of the school. So my brain always in elementary school would just say, all right, if there were a fire... Here's the exit. Here's the three friends I have. I'm going to motion to them that let's go. I'm not going to pull a Titanic, you know, ladies, ladies first, ladies first, ladies first. And so she was. No, I'm getting the hell out of there. The Ravens are in the middle of a fire drill right now, but it's not a fire fire drill. I could think of a word. I, I was thinking with Coca before the show. Hey, we've been away for a few days. Let's start right out with COVID drill. Let's make up a word do something related to Thanksgiving or COVID. But really, we decided that what the Ravens are going through is really a modern-day National Football League-generated, every-man-for-himself fire drill. The Ravens have approximately 20 people on their COVID reserve list. They have had a positive test for COVID every day for eight straight days through yesterday, through Sunday, November 29th. The Ravens are scheduled to play the Steelers tomorrow, December 1st. The undefeated Steelers. The reigning MVP of the Ravens, Lamar Jackson, has COVID. Their depth chart has been decimated. They barely have enough players to suit up. Their coach, John Harbaugh, the brother of Jim Harbaugh, who I believe is the erstwhile coach of Michigan, but I digress. Their coach said, hey, we're not practicing. We don't know when we're flying to Pittsburgh. Let's try to be better. God, they could have used a little coca in them, right? Let's be better. They have, they're not prepared to play a game. But the NFL has said, you're playing Tuesday. But remember, they were supposed to play Thursday for Thanksgiving. 
It was going to be the nighttime game, last game of a triple header. They then moved it to Sunday, put it at a one o'clock game, but said it will be a national game still on the National Broadcasting Corporation. Then they said, all right, we're going to move it to Tuesday. So that's Thursday to Sunday to Tuesday, which means the Ravens and Steelers will not have played since the week before Thanksgiving. So that'll be like a 10 day, 10 days off in theory. The Ravens will not have practiced, I would assume, in the last eight days is my guess. The Steelers are trying to stay undefeated and stay sharp. And the NFL is in trouble. And we're going to talk about how the NFL is dealing with its trouble. But I want to focus on the Ravens and what they did. I thought we were past this. The blame game that sports teams play or the blame game that families play or the corporations play is a very dangerous game in this era of COVID. You can blame someone when your business goes south if there is a direct relationship between the action of an employee and the loss of profitability for your company. As perfectly illustrated in the movie Elizabethtown, when Orlando Bloom lost close to a billion dollars by designing a new sneaker and Alec Baldwin, the head of the company, fired him and said, your design cost us close to a billion dollars. It set people back to the time before sneakers. That type of thing I'm okay with. You blame someone, you fire them. On Wall Street, people were fired all the time when I was there. You make a bad trade. If you're doing proprietary trading, especially where you're trading on behalf of your firm and the money that your firm has, and you make you take a bunch of positions that are contrary positions, and you lose. It's not that you don't get a big bonus. Generally, you get fired. I'm good. COVID. How do you blame someone for an outbreak? It's not like we're finding the monkey and... Cuba Gooding Jr. is going to shoot the monkey. They'll take the vaccine out of the monkey. They'll find the source. They'll trace it back to McDreamy and say he got it off a ship. Come on. You can't do it that way. But the Ravens decided that they were going to blame their strength and conditioning coach. They said, it's, it's almost hard to imagine, that they can trace their entire outbreak to the behavior of one of their staff members, turns out to be the strength coach, and that they are going to discipline him. Okay, let's play this out. Let's say the strength coach is irresponsible. He's an anti-masker, anti-vacciner. Not that there's a vaccine available, but that's going to be a thing soon. That'll be like a whole show, Coca, how the vaccines get distributed. I did a, a lebitard on that where we were talking. Maybe that was off the air, actually. I can't remember whether it was off the air or on the air during the local hour of Levitard. We talked about the order in which people get vaccines and how that's going to work. And then you've got to deal with the whole anti-vaxxers. But anyway, so he may be an anti-COVID or maybe not. Maybe he went to a party. Maybe he went into an indoor party with the doors closed, masks off. Maybe he went to a restaurant. Maybe he got coughed on while walking by a table on a, in a restaurant. Maybe one of his children, I don't know if he has children, got sick or got exposed at school. Maybe his family went flying or went on a cruise. Who knows? But how can you know if you're the president of the Ravens, no matter how much you investigate or how long you investigate, that you can pin it 
It reminded me of what the Astros did, blaming people in their analytics department for the sign stealing, what the Red Sox and MLB did by firing their video guy, who's since been rehired, by the way, by the Red Sox as a scout now, not a video guy. It's like being a fall guy. The Ravens outbreak is worse than the Marlins and Cardinals outbreak, which happened in July and early August in Major League Baseball. This is worse. This is the single worst outbreak that any professional sports team has gone through. And here's how it's working in the NFL offices. They've got their hands up, if you're listening to this instead of watching on YouTube. It's the tuck position, right? It's, it's the way Mike Tyson and Roy Jones were the, the other night, right? They're in the tuck position, and they're talking. You've got Roger Goodell, and he's talking to his legal department. He's talking to the scientists. He's talking to the politicians. Then he takes calls from the owners and has an owner's meeting. He puts his hands up in the tuck position, and he says, listen, we're doing fine. Don't you worry about a thing. This outbreak is unique to the Ravens. I know we've had a lot of positive tests with other teams, but there's only been one, two, three, or four tests. That's no big deal. One or two, three, four positives. We're fine. The Ravens still have enough players. Let's not worry. And we can't cancel a game because then we'd have to add a, add a week, week 18. We don't want to do that. We're not going to move the Super Bowl. We're going to get all the way through there. Everybody stay calm. Get in the tuck position. Stay calm. But Roger, are you sure this is the right plan? Don't you think maybe the Ravens should be forced to forfeit a game? Would that be okay to give the Steelers another win for safety, for competitive reasons? Competitive reasons? My name is Roger Goodell. Don't talk to me about competitive reasons. I'll talk to you about competitive reasons. I'll tell you what's competitive and what's not competitive. Teams don't need quarterbacks. We'll talk about that. Teams don't need anybody other than how many people do you need Coke to have a football game? In theory, you could have everyone go two ways, right? Couldn't you, in theory, play a football game with 11 guys? Is that possible? Isn't it 11 on 11? Or is it 12 on 12? I'm totally blanking right now. Coca, save me. It's Monday. Are you there? Hello. Good morning. Thanksgiving's over, Coca. We're back in the grind. We're doing shows. And you're not in my ear. And you're not on the document. Are you on the crapper? All right, forget it. There you go. Thank you. I, I did, did the audience hear that flush or just me? I can't tell. Okay, so maybe you could just play a football game with 11 guys. Tell them to play two ways. Let's say you need 11 guys on each side and you don't want them to go two ways. That's 22 guys. And then you need a kicker, I guess. So let's say 23 guys. The Ravens only have 20 guys on the COVID list. They've got 23 guys left. You've got a practice squad. And we all know now after last weekend that if you're on the practice squad, you can just be called up like a minor league player. Remember how baseball did it? They canceled a game, postponed a game, do some extra testing. If you're missing the middle of your lineup, play on. They made the Marlins sign all those independent league guys all those guys who had been on waivers, all that crap until the COVID people could uncovid themselves. And the Marlins sat out for six days, maybe, and then started playing. Six days, and then started again. So Roger Goodell said, 
anything they can do, I can do better. I can do anything better than MLB or NBA or NHL. I don't need a bubble. Okay. Ravens are playing. Maybe. Maybe. Roger, what are you going to do with the Broncos? What's wrong with the Broncos? I'll tell you what's wrong with the Broncos, Coca. Someone asked and we're going to answer. Or maybe we won't. It was just so you want to talk to Samson. (laughs) I want to talk to Samson. All right, Coca. Your fingers are a little slow. Did they get a little extra exercise this weekend? Are they a little fatigued? So you want to talk to Samson, get into my Twitter at David P. Samson. Ask a question. So you want to talk to Samson. Samson comes from the movie Half-Baked. Ask a question. I'll get to it. Maybe I'll answer it on Twitter. Maybe it'll get in the show. Maybe I won't get to it at all. It depends. So the question this week, today, was, would you have let the Broncos play? I love that in its simplicity. Because you have to explain what that is. And then it was a simple question with a very, very simple answer. The Denver Broncos are a team in the National Football League. They lost their quarterback, COVID. They lost their second string quarterback, COVID. They lost their third string quarterback, COVID. They lost their fourth string quarterback, COVID. Now they don't have COVID. Wait, did one of them test positive for COVID or they were all in contact with each other without masks requiring an apology? I don't think any of them actually have COVID. They were just under the protocols, not allowed to play. So the Broncos going into this Sunday's game, yesterday's game, had no quarterback. So the thought was there'd be no game or at least postpone until Tuesday. The Broncos called Roger and they said, hey, I know that we're going to have to sell the team. I know that since our dad died and Pat Boland died, that there's been a lot of fighting. I know that people are right now trying to buy the team, but I can only tell you that we'd like you to consider postponing the game. Only one of our quarterbacks tested positive, but you then made the other three ineligible because they were in a quarterback's meeting unmasked for 15 minutes. I agree they shouldn't have been unmasked. But in an abundance of caution, I understand that part of the protocol is that they have to be inactive. But if you postpone the game until Tuesday, then at least one of those four quarterbacks will be able to have more negative tests because they tested negative and they'll be able to suit up. Roger, can you hear me? What? Guys, he hung up on us. Hold on. We're calling back. Roger, it's us again. Do you know who is going to have to play quarterback if you make us play on Sunday? We are the National Football League. And you're going to make us play Kendall Hinton? Do you know who that is? Oh, you've never heard of him? Let me tell you who he is. He played quarterback once, but he's a wide receiver when he was in college, I think at Wake Forest. He's undrafted. We signed him to the practice squad just because he had a pulse and could fog up a mirror. We are now going to start him at quarterback. You are going to be so mortified because he hasn't taken one snap. Forget a snap with the A team. He hasn't taken a snap with the B team. He has not taken a snap. 
And you know what's going to happen in our game? I'm going to tell you. He's going to complete one pass. It'll be for 13 yards. We're going to hand off the ball directly to the running backs. We're going to get 112 yards of offense, which will be a record low offense in the history of our great franchise. The Saints will claim they've got the greatest defense in the world. They'll set a record for the lowest number of yards. We're going to score three points on a field goal in the third quarter, but it's going to be a 58-yarder that would make George Blanda blush. Hinton's going to throw two interceptions. We're going to endanger the wide receivers when he does throw the ball because God knows if he can even get it to them. He may lead them right in the middle to get their clocks cleaned. Hinton himself is in danger because he doesn't know which way to run when the Saints defensive line is rushing the quarterback. But don't worry, it'll be a competitive game for the fans. Drew Brees is out. Taysom Hill stinks. They may have to play Winston. I'm kidding. Roger, you can't make us play. This is this is a joke. Oh, I know what you're doing. Okay. You're trying to say that by making us play, you will make sure that every other team behaves properly. Okay. Because you didn't have to find several teams twice, including the Saints, who were playing. Right. And you're not finding anyone anymore. Right. You didn't just find the Pats 350 grand. That wasn't necessary to do. Because every team is paying close attention to your protocols. Oh, I know you're worried about limping toward the finish line here and getting to the Super Bowl. Right. I get that. What's going on? Made me furious to watch. Here's my answer to your question. Would I have let the Broncos play if I'm the commissioner of football? Hard no. Show some respect. Show some respect to your product. Someone tweeted me, and this is one of my favorite tweets that I got all weekend. Does it make any sense that the Broncos are playing? And I responded, no, it doesn't make any sense. It just makes sense. Get it? It doesn't make any S-E-N-S-E, but it makes a lot of C-E-N-T-S. The NFL has, they're all in. They push their chips in the middle. They will get to a Super Bowl by hook or by crook. No matter who's endangered physically, forget COVID, no matter how uncompetitive the games are, they will make sure that the Chiefs and Steelers are playing in the AFC championship game come January, whatever day it is. Like the 23rd is my guess, but I don't know. I'm making that up. February 7th is a Sunday, which makes January 31st a Sunday. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, which makes January 24th championship Sunday. So I'm going to guess that January 24th is championship Sunday and Roger Goodell will do anything he has to to get the Steelers and Chiefs there in the AFC. Do you know what the Broncos tried to do? Not only did they try to get the game postponed, no. Then they called Roger again. Hey, Raj, all right, we thought about this. We got a good idea. We'd like to activate an assistant coach. Now, you may call that crazy, but we think our assistant offensive quality control coach is a better move for this team and for this league than Hinton. What do you think? 
Roger Goodell took five minutes. He spoke to his competition committee and they said no. And their reason was perfect. I give him credit. If you let an assistant coach be activated and play, not from the practice squad, but directly from the coaching ranks, what do you think happens going forward? What do you think happens? I know what I would do. If in baseball we had a 26-man roster, but with injuries this past offseason in COVID, let's say, or with people on the IL where they can't come back or people are optured to the minor leagues for 10 days because you can't call them up within 10 days except for an injury. And even if there is an injury and you do call a player back before 10 days, then that doesn't even count as having been optioned. And that has to do with arbitration and money and everything else. I know what I would do. I would make sure we had a bunch of recently retired young guys who were coaching first base, third base, make them the quality control assistant hitting coach, make them the assistant to the assistant traveling secretary, get them ready. Like each row did in Seattle, by the way, once he was released by Seattle and then in an emergency, call him up. So Roger Goodell is afraid that the NFL teams are going to do that. Well, Roger, you can say the following. Absent losing every single person in the depth chart, everyone, everyone on the roster, everyone on the practice squad, until every one of them is gone, not because of lack of performance, and here we go, not because of injury, Because you can fake an injury if the player sucks. You just tell the player, we did this all the time. Hey, you stink. We're putting you on the IL. We're going to say you have shoulder fatigue. No one gets shoulder fatigue in baseball. Shoulder fatigue is when you cannot get outs. If you've got a two ERA and you're winning games left and right, believe me, your shoulder ain't fatigued. So we can't say it's because of injury. We can't say it's for lack of performance. It's very simple. If an independent group of doctors employed by the NFL has deemed that you are in violation of COVID protocols and therefore ineligible due to COVID protocols, therefore, you can activate anyone you want to play quarterback, whether any, whether he's a coach, whether he is anyone except Colin Kaepernick. We have to make that a rule. Colin Kaepernick cannot be called up. He cannot be added no matter what, because we're going to say for anyone, and we're going to include Kaepernick in that, they've got to do the six-day quarantine according to the COVID protocols. So it can't be anyone outside your team. Wink, wink, no Kaepernick. But anyone who is in your team protocol, in your team bubble, feel free. If you want to pay and have 20 coaches In case of COVID, do it. But your whole depth chart has to be gone. That's what I would do as an exception. Because the alternative is what's going on right now with the Broncos. It's a damn embarrassment. NFL should be ashamed of itself. Roger has made more mistakes during COVID than any other commissioner by far. He is like a tank going through a square. He's not paying attention to any collateral damage. He doesn't give one rat's ass about the health of anybody. He wants to get his games played. Hard stop. Competitive? Eh. 
COVID. Ugh. Sorry, Broncos. No way I would have had you play. All right, we come back. We're going to review the mini series that everybody's talking about with Hugh Grant and Nicole Kidman. And we are going to talk MLB free agency. You're going to want to stick around for the MLB free agency talk because owners are crying poverty. And I'm here to tell you it may or may not be true. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Nothing Personal with David Sampson. Today is Monday, November 30th. Hope you had a good Thanksgiving, safe, sound, full, and that your scale still works. So there was a big mini series that I watched. We review a movie or a TV show every day on Nothing Personal. It's one of my favorite segments. Yes, we will still get to MLB and free agency. Don't worry. Don't worry, Philadelphia. I'm coming for you. So I started watching a miniseries because on Sunday last night was the finale of something on HBO Max called The Undoing. The Undoing is a show, six episodes, watch the first five, and then watch the finale live last night. Starring Nicole Kidman, starring Hugh Grant, Donald Sutherland, and Noah Jupe playing the child of Nicole Kidman and Hugh Grant who are married. And it is a straight nightmare, whodunit, privilege, murder, interesting show. I want to give away a couple things. One, Donald Sutherland plays Nicole Kidman's father. Donald Sutherland wants his son-in-law, played by Hugh Grant, to not be involved with his daughter. He believes he has found the perfect way to do it. Nicole Kidman wants no one to know that her perfect like life is imperfect. This, to me, was one of the big themes of The Undoing, and not enough people are talking about it. It is very difficult when you live a certain life, when you believe you've got to put on a show for people. And I've got some experience with this. And then all of a sudden, something imperfect happens. And you're embarrassed to the point where you delude yourself into thinking that nothing's wrong. You delude yourself into thinking that you cannot be honest about what's wrong. Because if you are, then people will think that, my God, you're normal. You've got family issues. So Nicole Kidman spent the entire series trying to protect her family, even to the point of irrationality. The story is about a murder that takes place in a Upper East Side school in New York City, a privileged school. It's the story of adultery, murder, investigation. And it is written for the screen based on a book by David E. Kelly, the husband of Michelle Pfeiffer. David E. Kelly is the one who did has done a bunch of TV series. Incredibly talented guy. The Undoing is well worth your time. If you guess who did it, then you are in the minority because you'll feel as though you know who did it. But then they set the show up so you think that someone else did it. Then you think someone else did it. Then you think someone else did it. Then you go back to thinking the first person did it. It was the friend. It was the husband. It was the son. It was the wife. It was the father-in-law. It was the husband. It was the other husband. It was the other kid. And at the end of the day, it's all a huge bait and switch edited together perfectly. This is going to win some Emmys, folks, because it's edited together in a way that makes you question everything about not just the characters in the show, 
but how you are, how you judge, what your confirmation bias is, the way you interact with people of privilege, the way you interact with people without privilege. It goes through all of this and it seamlessly winds through six episodes culminating in an I told you so that is scary. It's not a scary show. It's not, uh, it's suspenseful, but not scary because, you know, I don't watch scary. It is well, well worth your time. The criticism that people have of it is that Nicole Kidman plays the same character she played in that other show. I, I think I reviewed a Coca called Big Little Lies. It's not. While Big Little Lies is also character driven with Reese Witherspoon and, uh, and Nicole Kidman and Zoe Kravitz and others who I can't think of off the top of my head. Nicole Kidman is a, uh, it's more like uh, a, a straight Upper East Side, uh, Upper West Side woman of privilege, uh, big time therapist, well-educated. It's not, to me, it was, it was different characters. Obviously I understand the comparison, but it's not big little lies. So the undoing is worth six hours of your time. It is six hours. It will go by like that. Try not to read any spoilers. Try not to learn why in the world I would talk about Notting Hill on Twitter after the show ended. Try not to think about whether or not a child could possibly, possibly do or feel or think the way that you think this child acted, felt, or thought. Trust me. You know what? Just watch the damn show. Coke, are you willing to watch it? I don't think you will. I'm reviewing later in the week, by the way, a show that Coca told me to watch. I'll tease it right now because it was so good. He had me watch Wayne on Amazon. Wayne was a canceled YouTube show. How it was canceled, I have no idea. Literally no idea. Wait till we get to the Wayne review. Anyway, The Undoing. It's just six hours. It's like a, a game and a half of football. Okay. Uh, I'm looking out the window right now because a bus just went by. And this is strange. Uh, I would not have expected this at all, but it looks like the San Francisco 49ers team bus. That's Kyle. Kyle. No. No, it's not here. Oh, my God. The San Francisco 49ers think they're playing here. No. You're just going to play in a different county in California. What? What are you complaining about? The San Francisco 49ers were told that they can no longer play in Santa Clara County because they decided due to the unbelievable increase in COVID, guess what? No more contact sports in Santa Clara, but there's no way that applies to professional sports. They just do that for elementary school and high school, college, but the Niners get to play. It's the Niners. Kyle Shanahan was told on the team plane after their win over the Rams by the way, the Niners stink. But anyway, after their win over the Rams, they were told they will not be able to play at home for approximately 21 days, three weeks. And Kyle Shanahan was despondent. He was very sad. He had a very tiny little pity potty because he said, my guys and the families, there's so much uncertainty. We don't know where we're going to be. We're just going to have to be nomadic. And I think that that could really hurt the psyche of our players. Give me a break, Kyle. Your dad would never have said that. Mike Shannon would have said, find me a hundred yards. I don't even need a clubhouse. I don't even need chalk marks. 
Give me a ball and a hundo. And I'm playing. Not Kyle. He doesn't have that toughness. He needs to know where he's going to be. So he's taking his team bus everywhere like a bunch of, I don't know what they are. Turn around. Turn it around. You can go to the cul-de-sac. Just turn around. Call Roger. Yeah, no, you're not going to be able to forfeit a game. You're playing. Yeah, you may be playing somewhere else, but you're playing. Yeah, why don't you listen to the beginning of the show, Kyle? Stop your yapping. The Niners making it a big deal. They have no place to play. By the way, Santa Clara County is great for not making an exception because I'll never understand. I get that it's important for professional sports to happen. I really do. But I do not understand in a pandemic how exceptions are made because that defeats the purpose of strict measures to try to curb the pandemic. You need contactless delivery of packages. You need people working in grocery stores and pharmacies. You need first responders. You need to protect the first responders by making sure they do not get exposed needlessly. Professional sports is not, and by the way, I love professional sports. It's not a must-have. Yeah, I guess the NFL is. Nothing personal pick of the day. Who remembers my last pick last Monday? Because it was a damn good one. Back to these same Rams who couldn't even beat the Niners. Remember the Rams were getting four and a half from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I said that Tom Brady was not because he was already in Thanksgiving with Giselle. His mind would be nowhere near playing a game because he was playing the Monday before Thanksgiving. Any recollection? Well, I know Coca's friends recall. We're now 35 and 31 because the Rams not just covered, they actually won the game over the Buccaneers last week. We got a Monday night game. We're going for it. We're four over. We haven't been five over in quite a while, Coca. We got the Seahawks playing the Eagles. The Giants are in first place of the NFC least at four and seven. The Redskins, they're not the Redskins, David. The Washington football team, by the way, that does not make me a bad guy, Coca because I slip and call them the Redskins. That's the name that they've been my entire life. It's going to take a minute, okay? The Washington football nudniks are four and seven. Tied for first, but I think the Giants have the tiebreaker. The Cowboys were so bad on Thanksgiving that it was hard to watch. The Lions were so bad that it was hard to watch. Why they still play the tradition, tradition, tradition. You'd think that Sevia, Sevia, Sevi, Coco, what's the name of the guy from Fiddler on the Roof, played by Topol and Zero Mostel? Sevia, Sevia, I think that's it. Anyway, famous song, famous movie, famous play, Fiddler on the Roof. They talk about tradition. Lions and Cowboys are tradition. I'd like to get some good games on Thanksgiving for crying out loud. Anyway, the Eagles stink. They're going to make no progress in the NFC crap. Seahawks only have to give six because they have not been playing well at all. Russell Wilson's been struggling. There is no way, there is no better way to get better. Tevi, thank you. Tevia, I think it's pronounced Tevia, Coca, T-E-V-Y-E. I'm sorry to all of my Hebrew school teachers and for everyone in my family that I am blanking on the exact pronunciation because I just watched the movie, by the way, very recently um, with Topol in it, and I've I've seen the production of it for sure. If I were a rich man, 
Bada bada beta bada beta 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 ba all day long. I that's it. That's fit on the roof. Anyway, why was I talking about tradition? Hold on, I'm gonna land it. Mm-mm-mm. We're taking on smoke. Mm-mm. Oh, landed it. The tradition of Thanksgiving. <laughs> I got it, Coca. Seahawks stink. They're only giving six. It can't be Carson. Wait, is Carson Wentz still the quarterback, Coca? Because I'm gonna change my mind if not. If Carson Wentz is still the quarterback, then the Eagles will lose by double digits because he is horrid. All right, I'm moving on. It could be Jalen Hurts. Remember that guy? Jalen Hurts was the guy who was taken out of the game in Alabama when Tua Tav played in the second half of the championship game. Whatever. Just take the Seahawks minus six, and we're going to go to 36 and 31. Okay. We promised you we'd talk MLB free agency. We've got big breaking news. Hold on, everybody. This is big. This is big. It made news over the weekend. I'm sure you didn't miss it because it was the lead story even on NFL Sunday. A major free agent signing. The Kansas City Royals signed Mike Miner to a two-year contract. Sorry, I almost fell asleep. That's the big signing of MLB over the weekend. JT Realmuto unsigned. Trevor Bauer unsigned. George Springer unsigned. Mike Miner, the guy who was on Texas, remember when Texas was opening their new ballpark when there were going to be games and fans at the new Globe Life Field? Globe Life Park. I think the old thing is Globe Life Field, and now they're at Globe Life Park. Remember they signed, they traded for Corey Kluber. They had Lance Lynn. They had Mike Miner. And I said to you here on Nothing Personal, that rotation is not going to work out. They stink. And it didn't. Mike Miner is a number eight pitcher. He's got familiarity with the Royals because he was on the Royals before. This is not a big free agent signing. What's going on? What's going on is that there are 30. I take it back. I take it back. There are 29 John Middletons out there. Who's John Middleton? John Middleton is the owner of the Philadelphia Phillies. John Middleton claims that he's losing money, and he is. Reports came out this weekend that in 2020, the Phillies lost, wait for it, wait for it, $145 million. I can hear the cynics out there. I hear it. So I'm going to play into this and I'm going to explain to you what John Middleton means and what that report means. There is a book loss and there is a cash loss when you own a franchise or run a team. A book loss is an EBITDA loss, earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, or amortization. You can actually just have an EBIT, earnings before interest and taxes. You can... Cook your books any way you like. And it's all legal because all these statements get audited. But you can announce any sort of loss you want at any amount. The question to be asked is what's the cash loss? What was the increase in debt to cover the operating cash flow deficiency for the 2020 season? How much money did John Middleton either need to put in from his outside business, 
from his family trust from the other owners of the Phillies through a capital call. How much money did he need to borrow to then fund the Phillies in order for the Phillies to operate in 2020? That's a cash loss. Even if you don't write a check to cover a loss, but you borrow money to cover the loss, that's a cash loss. If you've got a paper loss where you don't actually have to either put cash into the business or borrow money to put money into the business, but you still claim a loss, that actually could be a loss for tax purposes, but I don't count that as a loss. So before I say that the Phillies are lying to you and that report is inaccurate, we need more info. Did they lose 145 in cash or 145 in paper? It is not impossible to lose $145 million in cash if you're a team. Think about the amount of money the Phillies did not take in in 2020. They did not take in gate revenue. They did not take in a full season of broadcast revenue. Now you're going to say they only paid the pro rata salary. You're right. They only had to pay for 60 games out of 160. But the broadcast revenue plus the gate revenue funds far more than the player salaries. So by prorating your broadcast revenue, by eliminating your gate revenue, you then will have way under in terms of available cash to cover even the 60 prorated games of your major league payroll. I promise you that's the case. So the Phillies did lose money. We don't know how much. We know that they're angry they haven't signed JT Realmuto yet to a long-term deal after they traded for him from the Marlins. We know that John Middleton said, I wouldn't have made that trade and given them a top three starter in Sixto Sanchez if we weren't going to re-sign him to a long-term extension. But we also know the economics in baseball have changed considerably. So pump the brakes. I'm just kidding. MLB is not pumping the brakes. They've slammed on the brakes. Forget Mike Miner. Forget what you read, by the way. You're going to read it. Marcus Stroman signed for $18.6 million. Kevin Gausman signed for $18.6 million. Drew Smiley signed for one year $11 million. Um, Charlie Morton signed for one year $15 million. Pitchers are going off the board left and right. Now we've got Mike Miner. Good job, Kansas City. No. Stroman and Gausman were qualified offers that they accepted. Smiley and Morton, Morton was going to play nowhere but Atlanta or retire. And he matched the money that Tampa was supposed to pay him. That was his option money. Smiley got overpaid because he's not worth $11 million. But the Braves said, we need pitching. We're willing to overpay to get depth because we've got so many great young players signed to such team favorable contracts. The rest of the league is slamming the brakes on free agents, waiting, waiting, waiting for Wednesday. We're going to cover this later in the week because Wednesday is something called the non-tender date. Actually, I just told you a fib. It's actually called the tender date. Wednesday is the day and the deadline by which teams have to offer contracts to their arbitration eligible players. And if they do not offer them contracts, then those players become free agents. The league is looking very carefully at the Yankees. Will the Yankees offer Gary Sanchez a contract on Wednesday? 
Gary Sanchez, a $5 million player in arbitration. The most you can get is a 20% cut. But with Sanchez's season, he's not going to get a cut, even though he stunk, even though he didn't play in the playoffs except for once or twice, even though he strikes out all the time. He'll still get a minimal raise. Will the Yankees think it's worth it to pay that catcher, Gary Sanchez, five and a half million bucks, six million bucks? Or will they non-tender him and sign another catcher who's cheaper? And there are a hundred Gary Sanchez's out there. Players who teams will say are not worth it at the tender price. Therefore, they become free agents, unrestricted. And therefore, when teams are putting their team together, when GMs are putting their team together, they will look and they will say to their owner, hey, listen, we could sign this player for $10 million, or we could sign this player for $2 million, and the incremental difference is not $8 million. So there will be tremendous changes going on in baseball after Wednesday. That is why you're not seeing movement. That is why it's not surprising that no free agents have signed. That's why it's not surprising that right now you've got Mike Miner as the big news. That is why it's not surprising that owners are beginning to leak out in quote unquote reports that they are losing money hand over fist. It started with the commissioner when he talked about how much the industry lost. Now it's going down to teams where they're talking about the economic situation they're in, the uncertainty they're facing. The reason I said 29 owners are in that position is very simple. It's because Steve Cohn is in the unique position of being a new owner, not having suffered through the losses of 2020, only having suffered through what he paid for to buy the Mets, knowing that he secreted away money just for this to spend in free agency. That's why I'm at 29 and not 30. So I think is eventually going to happen. And this is going to be the wait to see for today. Wait to see is when we do something and we say something's going to happen and either does or doesn't, and we will revisit it. So for example, we'll revisit the fact that on September 3rd, 2020, we said that a Rollins Chapman who was suspended for three games would appeal. It would be reduced to two games. It was, that's a yes. On September 24th, while the MLB season was still going on, we said Trevor Bauer will win the Cy Young. Did he? Yeah. We waited. We saw. That's a yes. On October 20th, we said that Jeffrey Tubin will get his analyst job back. Jeffrey Tubin, the guy who was caught pleasuring himself on a work Zoom call. He got let go by the New Yorker. I thought he'd be rehired. He wasn't. He took a leave of absence from CNN. I thought he'd be back. He is not back. I'm taking a no on that. Wait to see from October 20th. Apparently, pleasuring yourself on Zoom, you do not get a second chance. On November 16th, I told you that the Saints will lose a pick. They will be punished the way the Raiders were for celebrating following the 38-3 win over the Buccaneers. I was right. The Saints were punished. They are losing a seventh-round pick. That celebration was silly. So my wait to see for today, and we'll figure it out, My wait to see is that on Wednesday, which is the non-tender date in baseball, the tender date, there will be a record number of non-tenders, more than last year, more than the year before, more than ever before in the history of MLB, because if I were still running a team, I would non-tender them all. Start again. Lower your payroll. Wait to see. You call up the player, and you very simply say, hi there. This is just business. You've been non-tendered. It's nothing personal. Here you go. Here you go.
This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.